Are you asking the management teams in your portfolio the questions that really matter? Are you able to discern fact from fiction? Find out what legendary investor Rick Rule, the director, president, and chairman of Sprout U.S. Holdings, directly asks all CEOs before he invests. To receive a free copy, simply submit your email below so that you may invest with courage and conviction. Welcome to Proven Improbable, where we discover the best mining opportunities for your portfolio. I'm your host, Maurice Jackson, and joining us today is a special guest. He is the president and CEO of Almaden Minerals, which is listed on the Toronto Stock Exchange, AMM, and the New York Stock Exchange, AAU, and also Almadex Minerals, which is listed on the TSX, AMZ, and OTC, AX, DDF, Mr. Morgan Poliquin. How are you doing today, sir? Excellent. Thank you. Uh, thanks for having me, Maurice. <laughs> it's been quite an endeavor to uh, facilitate this phone call interview here, but I'm, I'm most appreciative of your time. Uh, we last spoke in July at the Sprott uh, Stansbury Conference, and you had a number of developments uh, since then that I want to discuss with you. Um, but before we begin, can you share with the audience the distinction between Almadex and Almaden Minerals, please? Sure. Happy to do so. Essentially, we are prospectors. We, uh, I'm a geological engineer and uh, and an experience in the the realm of uh, exploration and development. But our, our we're primarily known for prospecting and making new discoveries. So, um, very happily in 2010, we made a new discovery with our drill rig and have expanded upon that to the point where it's getting very close to a production decision. We have completed engineering studies and. Uh, that we call PEAs, and we're working towards higher level studies from that pre-feasibility and feasibility studies. And so that particular property we call Extaca has advanced to the stage where it's no longer prospecting, clearly. And we felt that uh, that's a little bit of a different business model than, than prospecting. And so therefore, we put all the earlier stage properties, uh, the royalties uh, that we've accumulated through our prospecting and and other assets into a new company called Almadex, and its focus will be again uh, early stage prospecting and making the next discovery. Uh, there's lots of reasons why we felt that made sense, and obviously our shareholders voted uh, for that and 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 saw that reasoning uh, that I can get into. But uh, the essence of the of the uh, of why that was done is. It's simply that there there are different business models and require different uh, uh, putting a mine in production requires a different level of financing and and uh, requires a, a, different shareholders. Uh, um, it doesn't require different shareholders, but obviously uh, uh, it has different levels of interest uh, in the marketplace. So we felt it it clearly uh, showed what each, uh, rather than us doing everything in the same company, development and early stage exploration, it clearly separated those two things and created some clarity for our shareholders. Absolutely. I think that was a, that's a very uh, a prudent move. In, in sticking with Almadex here, if we may, uh, is it uh, still, is it 20 uh, NSR royalties that you have there? If I'm if I'm correct in that, I think that's what we, we uh, initially went into Almadex and that would still be the same. So yes, um, a nice package of largely early stage royalties, but also there's a royalty on Extaca uh, and on Cabal Blanco, which are development uh, level properties. All right. And the Almadex is still facilitating the prospect generator model. 
With that being said, um, I always like to share this with the audience. I am a shareholder, and uh, one of the reasons I am so excited and a shareholder of, of both Almadex and Almaden Minerals, respectively, is the prospect generator model. Because one of the things that you have to recall on the prospect generator is, is it has a very tight share structure, and with proven management, such as Morgan Poliquin's and his father, respectively, uh, Dwayne Poliquin, is that you have management that is able to take uh, – and facilitate joint ventures and keep the share tight, the, the share structure tight, and make the company grow and not dilute the shares. And that's very important to understand. And again, that's why I'm so glad that the bifurcation was made with Almaden to focus more spe specifically on the mining aspects of uh, the Exaka project. Um, with that being said, let's switch gears here because I know you really want to talk about. Uh, uh, Almond and Minerals, you have done some phenomenal work behind the scenes, uh, specifically in uh, in October, I believe it was, where you had uh, procured a mill. Is that correct? That's right. Um, and if you don't mind, uh, I appreciate uh, – I'd like to talk about that. But just a, a quick um, kind of follow-up to your comment about prospect generation. Uh, yes. Uh, my, my view is that uh, we, we take that at face value. Um you know, when when my father first uh, started uh, optioning the early stage properties, he identified to other companies to do the expensive exploration. The term didn't exist, so um, you know, for for us, it was uh, in our group, it was born of necessity, uh, in a sense, and it, it was prudent business. Meaning, um, but but I take the term at face value. We generate our own prospects. Um, that that's the po the point of it. The point of it is not that you do uh, deals at a particular stage uh, before or after drilling. Uh, the key to it all is that you have the capacity to generate your own properties, and certainly that's our skill set uh, demonstrably. We uh, think that the odds of any particular property being a mine are are somewhat long. Um, you know, if it, if 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 there was a 100% uh, success rate, uh, everyone would be doing this. So <laughs> we can identify areas of great geological potential, but there's no guarantee that uh, each one of the things we <laughs> – uh, in fact, it's guaranteed that, uh, uh, you know, that the odds are going to be uh, along that any one of these things, despite our geologic acumen, uh, 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 will be an economic mine. So therefore, we think it's prudent um, – to uh, we can generate more properties than we can possibly drill ourselves to to work with partners who understand those odds uh, but are willing to take them on um, and raise capital to do that. So thereby, uh, we uh, as you mentioned, we we keep our capital structure intact uh, by not needing to finance the drilling of every property. But that being said, we've found a way to do early stage drilling ourselves uh, without um, uh, significant dilution by owning our own drills. So we're able to drill far uh, uh, cheaper than than commercial rates of drilling that way. Uh, so all in all, our, our model is to uh, do the early stage prospecting, which is very cheap. It's not a it's not a, a money amount. It's a it's an intellectual capital you're spending, which we have uh, in abundance with respect to prospecting. And then subsequently, it's um, it's keeping the capital costs low through being able to drill. So so that's our approach. Um, Sorry to digress, but I, I, no. I thought that might be a, a good opportunity. No, very well said, sir. Very well said. I, I'm glad you uh, shared that with the audience. And, and with that being said as well, again, even though you had the bifurcation, the proprietary and intellectual capital is still intact. 
uh, with Almadex. Uh, That's like, right. That was part of the metric there is that, uh, you know, we don't know what the ultimate outcome will be with respect to the Extaca property. Uh, obviously, properties at that uh, level of the... Uh, of development often uh, are of interest to mining companies. Uh, that should be obvious. Uh, um, so, uh, alternatively, if if Almadem were to build out, uh, you know, a mine production team, uh, if that were an option f for us, we would obviously there would be dilution in, involved. So, mm -hmm. um, the intellectual capital with respect to the prospecting, uh, the drills, uh, all the knowledge of eastern Mexico, that all went into Almadex. And, and as you say, is intact for, for shareholders there, as well as a royalty on the Extaca uh, project. So the Almadex uh, shareholders are exposed to the upside there as well. And uh, it leaves Almaden to focus on the development and uh, um, of the Extaca deposit, which is what you, before I so rudely interrupted you, <laughs> was <laughs> your next question. And if uh, I can jump in and answer that quickly, uh, uh, it's not... Um, it's hard to distill the years of work really uh, succinctly, but um, what what we recognized is we're obviously in a very bad market, um, and it's it's hard to see the opportunities uh, because the the negatives of being in a very uh, a descending metal price environment and sentiment um, environment with respect to mining investment, it, the negatives are obvious, uh, but the positives are harder to see. And we've been around for a long time, and I think um, by virtue of the fact our chairman uh, is very active and has been around for 50 years in this business, my father, um, that leadership, uh, you know, and that experience uh, is very helpful in, in looking for the opportunities. We thought that buying a used mill made very good sense um, to reduce the capital cost. It was the largest component of the capital cost in our uh, PEA of last year. So we were able to found a, find a mill that went into bankruptcy subsequent to the crash of 2008. It's not it's used, but it was only used for six weeks. So it's uh, recently refurbished or or brand new equipment, and um, in excellent shape, obviously. So we were able to secure an option to purchase that mill. The mine was put in production. Uh, for 250 million, I believe, and the mill in stage payments we were able to secure for six and a half million dollars. So it dramatically reduces the capital costs for the Extaca deposit and its development, and enabled us to put out a new PEA, which uh, accounted for uh, this uh, uh, what we call the Rock Creek Mill that we secured, and it it shows obviously uh, great capital savings and. Um, you know that that the deposit can work uh, uh, in in this price environment. Uh, uh, at the same time, we've done a lot of detailed engineering, and and we've come up with a a smaller mine plan than we originally had at higher metal prices, but um, one that again uh, works in in this environment and can certainly expand into the larger metal uh, uh, higher metal price larger mine plan that we have previously. Uh, uh, talked about in earlier P PEAs. So, uh, so that's kind of what we've been doing over the last year, and and we put out a series of new re news releases over the last couple of months here, uh, culminating in the updated PEA, which we released uh, just uh, um, ten days ago, I believe. It, yes, it was. It was roughly ten days ago because you had two that were conducted uh, back in April and September of 2014. And with the mill, you drastically had uh, reduced the uh, the capital expenditures required, as you alluded to earlier. 
So I know a lot of shareholders, including myself, were elated to see the uh, numbers of the acquisition of that mill. <laughs> kudos, kudos to you there. <laughs> well, thank you very much. Um, um, you know, it's uh, it's a difficult environment, but uh, we're you know, our mandate from our shareholders is to obviously uh, uh, be cautious and careful and not do anything imprudent um, because we don't know how long this bad market will uh, will uh, will last. But our but. Our, our clear mandate is to advance the project and add value, and uh, um, w that's what we've been uh, t uh, trying to do here. And for the audience, I you know I, I do apologize. Um, we mentioned the Extaca uh, uh, project, but we didn't mention where it was located. Would you mind sharing exactly where it's located? And uh, also, if there's any reversionary interest, because the property is 100% owned, is that correct? Well, it's 100% owned, uh, but it is subject to a royalty that Almadex now holds. Yes. So, uh, so that's the only uh, uh, underlying interest uh, which uh, was created as part of the spinout. Uh, it's located uh, about a three-hour drive uh, east of Mexico City. It's uh, in in uh, uh, the state of Puebla. It's uh, located in what Almadex calls uh, eastern our, our eastern Mexico belt. Uh, we know more about the geology of the belt, arguably, than anybody. Uh, I did my PhD on it, uh, and we feel that we've pioneered a, a whole new um, terrain uh, in terms of the geologic opportunity, which was unknown before we came. Uh, the Caballo Blanco project, which we acquired in, in the mid-'90s, was our first project, and it's uh, developed into a nice gold deposit. That was the first discovery in this belt, and the second is Extaca, and most of the properties uh, in Almadex that we have been speaking about uh, are, are in that belt, and obviously a tremendous amount of intellectual capital in that belt as well. So we feel that... Uh, we're just getting going there, and uh, but that's that's where the project is located. It has uh, highway most of the way, paved road all the way to the Extaca deposit, uh, and it's located about 20 kilometers from an industrial park uh, where Kimberly Clark is uh, uh, has a large manufacturing facility. It's about an hour and a half drive away from one of the largest Volkswagen plants in the world in Puebla, and there's a new Audi plant being built next to it. So it's in a developed part of Mexico. Um, uh, but at the same time, it's not uh, the immediate area is not uh, what we would call sensitive. Uh, it, um, um, for example, all the trees have already been cleared. There's no parks or uh, pres preservation areas or anything uh, like that. So it's got a very good location for developing a deposit. And um, um, it, however, it is in a new area of Mexico that uh, where there aren't a lot of existing metal mines uh, by virtue of the fact of this uh, grassroots exploration we've done. We've discovered a new area. Very well said. The reversionary interest that you mentioned earlier, I believe that is a 2.5%, is it not uh, for the uh, Omadex? 2% NSR, uh, yes. 2%. 2%, okay. And are we looking at open pit on this one as well? Yes, uh, the uh, existing uh, the, the new PA we just released contemplates an open pit, uh, and uh, the the gold silver ore would be um, in that mine plan would be um, uh, milled, and uh, uh, a gold silver uh, product would be created on site called Dore. So it's a pretty straightforward conventional type of mining scenario. 
All right. If you would briefly, and just to, just to share with shareholders, because I think sometimes they don't understand the price difference with an open pit versus having to actually drill in the ground. I don't. I think sometimes uh, prospective shareholders specifically, um, they don't understand the difference in the costs or the capex that's required for that. Uh, can you just briefly just touch on that, if you would? Sure. Um, you know, these are these are just uh, not specific and and should be taken. Uh, uh, as general comments, of course, but in general, uh, open pit mining is is usually about two dollars a ton or so to to move dirt, um, whereas underground mining is anywhere from twenty five dollars at a at the lowest uh, through to uh, eighty dollars and up a ton uh, to to mine a ton of rock, and the reasons for it are that uh, um, underground mining requires uh, a lot of tunneling to get where you're going and um, on surface you can use very large equipment uh, large trucks everyone's familiar with the enormous scale of the shovels and the trucks that are in open pit mines today so there's a tremendous amount of efficiency in open pit mining so at a minimum uh, open pit mining is uh, 10 times cheaper per ton of rock than an open pit mine um, than an underground mine, rather. So, um, yeah, and you're right. There could be a large capital expenditure involved. There can be very large capital expenditures involved in starting open pit mines as well, mind you. But usually, underground mines involve a lot of tunneling first to get where you where you're going. Um, and tunneling itself is very expensive. And of course, a tunnel you can't put a very large dump truck in a tunnel. So, for those reasons, um, underground mining is generally speaking a lot more expensive than open pit mining. If if your if your mineralization is very deep, obviously you can't uh, uh, too deep to contemplate open pit mining. Uh, then you have to mine underground, and so usually underground mines uh, require much higher uh, grades or concentrations of of metal to be economic than open pit mines. Thank you for that. Has a cutoff rate been determined yet in this PEA, or is that uh, something that you will discover more or less in the pre-feasibility or feasibility study? No, no, there is a, um, a cutoff grade um, in in the. Uh, of course, we're we're half our values in gold and half in silver. So typically, there's something called an NSR cutoff, which is essentially dollars per ton. Uh, it's you know it's uh, uh, which you can convert uh, into gold terms if you like. But yes, uh, all PEAs uh, contemplate a cost of mining, a cost of of milling, a uh, you know a cost of um, of uh, creating the metal essentially uh, in order to calculate what uh, is potentially economic or not. So uh, yeah, all those studies involve a cutoff grade. Okay. Now I know you've, uh, you're excited about the, the updated uh, PEA. Let's get into that a little bit further if we can. Sure. Let's talk about the highlights and what really gets you excited about uh, the, 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 the most recent uh, release here 10 days ago. Keep in mind that uh, you know a PEA is a, is an early stage uh, study, and uh, there's uh, caveats and uh, and certain um, uh, disclosures that uh, are required for good reason. Uh, it's an early stage study uh, that is uh, designed to show the potential um, of of uh, of a deposit to be economic, um, and that's why you do the more involved uh, detailed studies. 
you know, this PEA shows that uh, a lot of questions from our last PEA. Keep in mind that our last PEA a year ago was done at 1320 gold, for example. Mm -hmm. And today we're we're well below that. And uh, um, that's unfortunate for um, the, you know, all shareholders of all gold companies. But it's, you know, it's happened just as we were putting out our, our first studies, uh, this decline in metal prices. So an obvious question for a shareholder before this recent PEA would be, okay, I saw your PEA of last year, but gold is off, uh, you know, three hundred dollars from from when you put this out. So, can you tell me how your deposit looks at these much lower metal prices? So, that's uh, really what's exciting about this PEA is is again, it's early stage uh, uh, study that. Um, it has inherent risk with it, and we need more detailed studies to to be certain, more certain of of this uh, these conclusions. But uh, that all being said, it looks uh, very uh, looks like it has great potential uh, at, at even these metal prices. So I think that's what's really important. Is we knew that the, we had some higher grade material near, near surface for various technical reasons. We thought that there was again, it's a smaller mine uh, at these lower metal prices, but we thought there was something uh, potentially uh, exciting about this deposit, even at lower metal prices. So uh, we're very pleased to be able to communicate that to shareholders. Yes, and the initial capital, I think, is now, um, what is it, roughly a little bit over $100 million that's going to be required? Yeah, almost exactly $100 million. And, uh, you know, the last PEA uh, contemplated uh, 240-odd million. So uh, a big decrease in um, in uh, in initial capital, uh, the savings were realized through the option agreement with the Rock Creek Mill and other. Um, obviously, it's a smaller mine plant, so it doesn't. It's it's not as the initial capital is is um, uh, is 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 smaller as well. So, um, yeah, um, it, it makes a big difference in the economics to be able to reduce the initial capital. And also, the in reference to the initial capital, uh, one of the questions I had asked to me by uh, one of the members of the audience is that uh, they were concerned about uh, why were uh, PPMs, which are private placement memorandums, issued for Almaden. Uh, could you touch on that briefly? Versus why was it not? Uh, why was to receive the capital? Why did you not consider um, mezzanine financing or uh, other forms of financing? What uh, would you touch on that, please? Why why do we do private placements as opposed to say debt financing or yes. something along those lines? Right. Because one of the well, questions essentially was is why didn't you uh, pursue debentures versus uh, uh, the share dilution, which is uh, that was a concern to them. And I figured that uh, the best time to answer the question would be with you actually addressing it versus myself. <laughs> so well, I think um, um, I mean obviously um, we, we, I'm a big shareholder and and I I don't relish dilution either so I can certainly understand the sentiment uh, we um, to go into debt when you have no revenue we're an expiration company we have no revenue there's no mm -hmm. means of paying back the debt uh, I think that would be highly imprudent and and uh, there's a very good track record of companies who take on uh, debt. Uh, without revenue and are unable to service the debt. So I, I think that would, uh, I mean, that, that, to me, that um, is a non-starter. Um, it, it, it's not impossible. There's many people who would like to, uh, uh, who probably would be interested uh, with very uh, um, stringent security provisions on your, I mean, you can imagine if a company is going to, if somebody's going to loan you money when you don't have any revenue, um, uh, <laughs> they'll do, they'll find a way to do it uh um uh as they must 
uh, in a way that uh, could jeopardize the assets of the company. And uh, so, yeah, I, I think um, it would be widely. I, I would imagine uh, uh, that um, anyone you would you would ask if you were to ask somebody like Rick Rule. Um, that he would uh, he would agree with me that that would be imprudent from the company's point of view. Um, so really, uh, you know, we we uh, are advancing a property, and uh, we're trying to do it as cheaply as we possibly can by owning our own drills, by finding things like this uh, this option uh, to acquire the Rock Creek Mill. But at the end of the day, um, you know, we we don't have revenue, and in order to advance the property, you know, we we have to. Um, we have to finance the company, uh, and uh, you know, we think that the the obvious way to do that is is the most uh, prudently and cautiously uh, through private placements. That's uh, we are a public company, and and we have uh, that ability. So as you mentioned, uh, Morgan, Rick Rule. Rick Rule is very, very particular management, and uh, I've had private discussions with him, and I know he said this in the public domain as well, that he speaks very highly of the management here at Almaden Minerals and Almadex Minerals, so speaking spe- specifically of yourself and your father. And as you just mentioned, it was very prudent to um, procure that capital through using private placement memorandums. And uh, as Rick likes to mention, and I'll, I'll just uh, – I'll leave it on this note, is that companies that procure financing through debentures and don't have any revenue, they end up going to mining heaven. And uh, you're a company that has staying power. And I, I always refer to companies such as yourself as a, a generational company. Your 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 symbols, your companies are going to remain in my portfolio for years to come because of the management. Uh, it's just been uh, it's been phenomenal what you've your, your work that you've done. So uh, kudos to you. And again, I'm somewhat uh, Paraphrasing what uh, Rick Rule uh, shares his sentiments as well. Um, if we go back to the PEA briefly here, um, the net present value has that. Uh, would you like to share that? Uh, sure. Yeah, that was. Uh, uh, I mean, obviously, net present values uh, at a PE level are calculated. Uh, uh, you know, there's uh, contingencies and there's uh, assumptions. Uh, so it's an early stage study, and that number uh, should be, uh, you know, um, treated as an uh, as uh, as such uh, um, uh, an early stage uh, study result uh, with many assumptions. But that being said, uh, we've done several studies here, and and uh, uh, you know, we're moving towards more advanced studies. Uh, yeah, it uh, you know, we showed. Uh, uh, financial metrics, uh, internal rates of return, uh, NPVs, um, and net present value uh, calculations uh, at various different metal prices. And we think what uh, this new study shows is, the again, um, the potential for this deposit to be um, – uh, to provide a, a you know a good rate of return and uh, and uh, be valuable uh, at these lower metal prices uh, that we find ourselves in, um, so uh, yeah that's that's what those numbers uh, allude to. Okay, and I like to just somewhat switch gears. Uh, as we investors, we love to see numbers, but sometimes what you don't see is the intangibles. And one of the intangibles, um, and I know I know your personality, I know you somewhat, sir. Uh, I hope I'm not going to take anything that you would say out of context, but uh, you're not going to toot your own horn, but I will. Uh, the company uh, has done some remarkable work within the community as well. And I definitely wanted to highlight that uh, because it speaks volumes for the ethos that you and your father have instilled in the company. Um, 
let's discuss briefly what was done in September in reference to uh, maternity wards and employments in the community and wheelchairs that were provided to the community. That that doesn't make the news. Uh, it doesn't hit hit the big screens and it doesn't sound too sexy for investors. But let's discuss that briefly because your relationship is key. Um, a good relationship with the community there, it fosters a, a, a long-term covenant that uh, can be very prosperous. But if you don't do that, if you don't do that groundwork and establish that relationship and show that you're there for the long-term interests of that community, uh, things can really fizzle out. So please touch on that if you would. Uh, sure. Um, you know, keep in mind we're uh, a prospecting company that doesn't uh, just arrive uh, – when a, after a mine has been found, we're there before a mine exists. So we're the first people there. And, you know, there's an old saying that I think is true with, with anybody. First impressions are pretty important. And if you leave a negative first impression, um, you know, you, you can tarnish any relationship. Uh, um, so our view is it's, you know, there's lots of acronyms and there's lots of checklists and there's lots of um, or agencies and organizations that uh, um, determine whether or not you have uh, uh, you're meeting CSR standards, which uh, stands for uh, you know is one of these acronyms um, around community relations. And so, look, um, uh, our view is that it's uh, th- those are all fine, and and certainly our our relationship with the local community is um, it's important to our shareholders are very uh, pleased for us to make the kind of donations and uh, be involved in the community in a helpful way. But the most helpful thing that we can do in our mind is to build a mine for, for these uh, uh, communities and create long-term source of jobs and wealth. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so that's on the one hand. Uh, on the other hand, you know, uh, it's, it's – uh, uh, mining is, in general, viewed in the media, media very negatively. Um, there's a, generally speaking, the average uh, person in society has a negative view on mining, and we think that's poorly placed and based on a lack of knowledge about mining. Uh, in fact, we our view is that many people who uh, who go to mines uh, or who are opposed to mines have never been to one and actually don't know uh, the precise nature of what they're opposed to. So we recognize that that's a reality of society. Um, so it's first principles for us. We would be doing this independent of uh, anti-mining uh, activity, which we found find around the world, and that is just simply to personally uh, have a relationship uh, with the people in the communities where you're working, to treat them as you would expect to be treated yourself, and to uh, be very transparent and open about precisely what you're trying to do. We're working in rural and poor areas, so it's very important to us and our shareholders to make uh, meaningful contributions that we can make at this stage, uh, help with local um, needs. But again, ultimately, the best thing we can do for these communities is to bring about a long-term source of employment and and wealth. And uh, the best way to, to, to ensure that that's successful is to make sure that local people understand who you are, what your objectives are, and what a what what are the realities of a mining development, which will involve a, a lot of change in a community. And uh, so we've come up with the idea of taking people on a bus, you know, twenty thirty at a time, and uh, driving them to an actual mine site where there's actual mining, uh, similar to what uh, the kind of mining that could come about at Extaka. 
And we've done that with uh, 17 busloads of people. Over 300 people have gone on these mine tours, and we take them and show them open pits, uh, show them tailings uh, facilities, uh, uh, show them mills, and uh, in many cases introduce them to members of the local community where that mine exists. And um, you know, we have nothing to hide. We think that mining is is uh, uh, you know a wonderful industry that uh, provides. Uh, intergenerational wealth and training and and uh, uh, has a very low impact on the environment um, and uh, uh, but a major um, direct and indirect employment impact and the metals are in society forever they're infinitely sustainable because they can be recycled over and over and over again um, so to explain to them the nature of what we're trying to do and be open and transparent and to treat them uh, essentially like they uh, how they how the reality um, of the situation is that really at the end of the day it's their decision to make and um, we respect them enough to give them the opportunities to make their own informed decisions and to empower them to do so through uh, showing them the realities um, uh, you know a lot of uh, where things go wrong uh, in my mind is that uh, um, it's just a lack of um, respect, uh, and it may not even come about through anything negative, a lack of respect. It's just a, a lack of good relationships are developed and, you know, um, um, you know, pointing at maps on a wall and say we're going to do this or that or the other thing. Uh, that can be challenging. Don't talk over people heads uh, go and show them um, and so that's what we've tried to do and we don't take our relationships for granted but we're we're very hopeful that people uh, understand uh, uh, very well what we're trying to do and, and we think we've generated a lot of support uh, on that basis. Yeah, much of what you've said really resonates with me. It's open, it's transparent, and just ste stepping back in a 10,000-foot view, it's it's a win-win proposition for everyone involved because you hire local residents as well, which is something I know you didn't really touch uh, too much on. But So it's a win-win proposition, as you mentioned, as the wine, as the mine gets constructed and, and fully gets developed. I'd like to go ahead and share with the listeners here uh, your websites, both of them, if you would, please, and uh, how can they get in contact with you? You know, the best way to get in touch with me is uh, uh, info at almadenminerals.com. Uh, emails will get right through to me that way, or, or they're free to uh, call the company if they have specific questions. We're happy to speak to shareholders uh, uh, and prospective shareholders. 604-689-7644 um, is our number in Vancouver at the office, and if I'm in the office, uh, usually uh, – uh, do my best to to chat. So thanks very much, Maurice, uh, for the opportunity. Really appreciate it. Morgan, thank you again. I know you're a very busy man, and uh, all the best to you here in 2016. Likewise, Maurice. Uh, happy Christmas and all the best next year. Take care, sir. The information presented on Proven Improbable is provided for educational and informational purposes only, without any express or implied warranty of any kind, including warranties of accuracy, completeness, or fitness for any particular purpose. The information is not intended to be and does not constitute financial, investment, or trading advice, or any other advice. You should not make any financial, investment, or trading decision based on any of the information presented without first undertaking independent due diligence and consultation with a professional broker or competent financial.